One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, building the collective conscience, a show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. I'm your host. We're in Blackened Studios on this somewhat chilly day. Yet, um, supposed to warm up a little bit, but it's going to get hot in this studio here shortly um again we come to this momentous moment where we reflect um we talk about the legacy the memory the accomplishments the imprint the sacrifice not just in life, um, but in effort in the death of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There are very few individuals throughout human history that have made a greater impact. Let me say that again. There are very few individuals throughout human history. Matter of fact, you probably could not find a space on the planet in a country where someone had not heard of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Dr. King, I mean, a lot of us, you know, um, tomorrow, even tonight, all this weekend, we have talked so much about the March on Washington and the I Have a Dream speech. And we focus on that and we focus on the unity aspect of what King was trying to convey. Dr. King wrote four books. And his last book was titled, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or community. And uh, for many years, the book had went out of print and, and um, it was brought back into print, the resurgence of it all. If you have not read this book, I want to encourage you to do it. Where do we go from here? That's probably <laughs> um, one of the most paramount questions of our day. Given the environment that we are in right now, how divisive this country is, how we've had a resurgence of racism, how we've seen um, the movements that have taken place in the Black Lives Movement and the um, Me Too movement and the rise of workers trying to take a stand from teachers to manufacturer workers to um, even the fast food industry. We are in a country that is divided among 
multiple lines, not just racial, but the inequality, the the sexism, genderism, all the isms. So we're 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 divided, and so we we're we're at this this crucifix of what? Where do we go from here? Is it chaos or is it community? You see, today I want to speak to the human community. Not just the black community, white community, Latino or Asian or Jewish. I want to speak to the human family. I want to bring all of us inclusivity into our discussion today. You see, a lot of people would say that for most part of American history, and we know that there have been other challenges, the Native peoples and um, the Japanese and, and um, with the rise of the immigration debate and DACA and all of that. So, so I'm not negating that, but I'm saying this equality, this equal opportunity, this who is a citizen goes long back into the history and the origin of this country. And some have said it is a black problem, meaning every struggle, whether it is the Me Too movement, the LGBTQ+, or workers' rights movement, these movements are all centered on elements of the black struggle. Elements like equality, equal opportunity, racism, discrimination, human dignity, and human value. They're all rooted in this. All of these movements are rooted in these same ideas. 1967, Dr. King published, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. I mentioned it was his fourth book before his assassination. He spent a period of isolation living in a rented residence in Jamaica with no telephone composing this narrative. The themes in this book, again, I want to encourage you, I will not do justice of his scholarly work in this hour. So I encourage you to read it. The themes in this book are hope. He had not just a hope for um, the future and the present, but because of what had transpired, the victories, the Voting Rights Act, and you know the Montgomery bus boycott, the success that they had had breeded hope. And then he talked about this idea of unity that would produce a social movement, a social movement. Hang on to that because we're going to come back. And then he dealt deeply with poverty. You see, there are certain, I guess, aspects of an impoverished community. Crime is one of them. 
Low education attainment is another one. High infant immortality rates among just a few to name. But King advocated in this book, much like, well, I think Andrew Yang is talking about having a, a guaranteed salary for everyone. He also argues that he's not a Marxist or socialist. But I think it's important for us to understand where we are going, chaos or community. What is community? What is community? Have you asked yourself that question? Is it just a physical boundary? Uh, is it just a neighborhood? There are various communities, academic community, the uh, fitness community, the, uh, you know, the, um, you name it, there's a community um, of, you know, pro athletes, our community. But what is the human community? What thrives within a community? What makes a healthy community? Those are the things that we're going to get into right after we take this first break. I hope you got your pen and paper because I'm going to lay out for you the question again. Where do we go from here? I'm going to tell you where we go from here. Not because I'm a genius or anything like that. I'm far from it. However, I have some ideas. Get your pen and paper. We'll be right back. Oklahoma Humanities Brain Box podcast uses the humanities to take listeners on a deep dive into the issues affecting American society and culture. Join some of Oklahoma's most interesting and knowledgeable humanities scholars to explore how history, literature, ethics, philosophy, and other humanities fields inform our understanding of current events and the human experience. And to find the Brain Box podcast, simply search Brain Box podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and any other podcasting library. If you have any ideas or comments rattling around in your noggin, email us at brainbox at okhumanities.org. This is Dr. Laura Jalat, and when I listen to podcasts, I always listen to the One Mic, One Voice show. Welcome back. Welcome back, folks. Um, <laughs> I'm texting somebody right now that's trying to find the show, so give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so we are back. And we have a comment from Eliza that says, I just watched a story on the news about a Hispanic woman 
who was too afraid to let her children go to school or see the doctor because of fear of her neighborhood reporting to immigration. The neighbor said that they were not racist and would welcome her if she entered if she entered the U.S. legally. I believe it is racism. What are your thoughts? <laughs> of course that's racism. I mean, who? <laughs> I mean, uh, there are people living in this country that are contributing to the economic growth of this country. Uh, they've had children that, um, that because they are in America, are American born in America, are Americans. They have every right. They need a pathway to citizenship. And for anybody to say that uh, you, you're welcome here as long as you come in the right way. Um, how did slaves come here? How did those fleeing Nazi Germany get here? Or those fleeing um, poverty war and violence, which a lot of these families are, the majority of them, um, for a better life. I don't think the idea that kicking someone out and then saying, yes, you can come back, is compassionate, is loving, shows empathy, how would they like? Who, 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 had, who had a choice? Let me just say this. Who had a choice in the origin of their birth? Not just geographically, but racially. Did we have a choice in our sex? Who had a choice? And so, no. It is, it is, it is, it is code. And it is draped in Racism. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? You see, I think today we see chaos. Today we are, seg we are a segregated society. Today racism and discrimination are on the rise. Today there are still those who deny white privilege. Today racial violence is embedded still today in the American DNA. What stands in our way of producing a community inclusive for all people? What stands in the way? Remember I said that even the struggles today of the Me Too movement, the struggles of workers' rights, the struggles of the Black Life Matter movement are rooted in the very same elements of the black struggle, equality against discrimination, um, equal opportunity, human value. But what stands in the way? Well, I'm going to bring up a couple of individuals here, actually three, that, um, and, and this, I, I'm not going to, well, let me just do this, because some of you, uh, I know we're in the political season, uh, but this is not about politics. I'm talking about the mentality behind those who are in charge. 
What stands in the way? The unrealistic view, views of people in power. For instance, King criticized moderate whites for having inaccurate, unrealistic views of the ongoing plight of African Americans, even after legal reforms. The people in power have an unrealistic view of the plight of minority peoples. What prevents us from having a community that is inclusive is these views. Whether you're an immigrant, whether you are a, even I would even toss in a poor white person, whether you're black, these views that somehow we are the problem. Joe Biden running for president. Just recently, uh, debated back in September, Biden had said that one way America could address the legacy of slavery and segregation was by bridging the word gap between white and black children. A kid coming from a very poor school, this is Biden speaking, a very poor background, will hear four million words fewer spoken by the time we get there, Biden said. He then recommended that black parents, black parents play records at night to make sure that their kids hear words. So it's the parents' fault. Well, number one, this has been debunked anyway, right? I mean, if you think about access to the Internet, you think about music in general, kids are definitely listening to music. They're, getting, they're hearing words all day long. So this has been debunked anyway. But 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 the issue is that Biden is saying it is the this is what black parents need to do. Black parents need to do. White parents don't need to do anything. It's black parents that need to do something. Rudy Giuliani huh, talked about what black fathers need to do. If I were a black father, this is Giuliani, Giuliani talking, and I was concerned, and, and I was concerned with the safety of my child, like black fathers are not, really concerned about it, really. If I was really concerned about it, because some black fathers are not, right? And not in a political activist sense. In other words, all of that <laughs> advocacy that's, He's really speaking against the Black Lives Matter movement. I would say to my child, be very respectful of the police. <laughs> he goes on to say, I'll also say, be very careful of those kids in the neighborhood and don't get involved with them because, son, there's a 90% chance they're going to kill you. Wow. Black fathers, that they're going to kill you, not the police. And guess what? He goes on and say, and we've got to hear from the black community on this. And what we've got to hear from the black community is how and what they're going to do among themselves about the crime problem in the black community. 
it's the it's the black people's fault. It's the minority's fault. Just like Eliza's talked about, it's that person's fault because they came to this country wanting a better life, but they didn't get in legally. It's their fault. How can we build the human community? Okay. Now let's go to no list that is disparaging of minorities would be complete without bringing up Donald Trump. So Trump tweets this uh, this uh, U.S. crime statistics, and and let me just emphasize that this organization does not exist. Okay, it's a tweet that's put up doesn't exist, but he gives out these numbers in this tweet. And remember, we're talking about what stands in our way. And I'm gonna make my point. Just stay with me. In this list, he has a statistical breakdown. Blacks kill whites, blacks killed by whites 2%, he says. Blacks killed by police, even less, 1%. Whites killed by police, 3%. So more white people are being killed by the police. Whites killed by whites, 16%. Whites killed by blacks, 81%. And then in bold letters, red, blacks killed by blacks, 97%. Now here's the President of the United States giving out skewed statistics to make what point? To make the point that police don't kill blacks, blacks kill whites, and blacks kill each other at high rates. And white people don't kill black people. It just doesn't happen. Okay. Well, let's look at the actual FBI crime statistics. Okay, and I'm going to give you Trump's numbers again. Blacks killed by whites. Trump said 2%. The FBI says 8%. Blacks killed by blacks. Trump says 97%. The FBI says 90%. Whites killed by whites. Now, this is a really interesting, I guess we would say, dichotomy. Trump numbers, Trump says 16%. The FBI says 82%. Wow, that's a big difference. Whites killed by blacks. And this is another one of those. Trump posted this Twitter. He, you know, he tweeted this, in other words. Whites killed by blacks, 81%. That's what Trump said. The FBI says 15%. Okay. You cannot build community. King said, where do we go from here? Chaos or community. With this, with saying that it is black people's faults, minority people's faults, by saying that a group of people are violent, a group of people you should stay away from, right? When you do that, it is chaos. It's not community. And that's why we are divided in this country. Because those who are in charge, those who have the microphone, they're just simply lying. They're simply 
keeping the status quo of this misinformation and this skewed American history that tells you that you are the other and that the other cannot come together with the dominant culture, which is probably one of the most biggest lies in human history. Minority people are not the problem. An archaic and immoral system that is still in place that benefits and protects one race above all others has always been the problem. King lost his life over it, exposing it, fighting against it. But what we saw with the movement that King orchestrated with the help of many others was this unification not just of black people but of white people of Jewish people of Hispanic people it was this collection of individuals that understood that we could not have community Unless we come together, unless all are equal, unless everyone has access to opportunity, not just of education, but economic and so forth. I, too, enjoy I Have a Dream speech. I, too, enjoy this idea of... um. philosophically believing in an America that makes its history, right, not its future. But unless we have a change, unless we go in a different direction, unless we have different individuals in charge, um, it is chaos. It's not community. So where do we go from here? I told you I was going to tell you. Are we going to take a break? I told you I'm going to tell you. Just hang around. You know, you always got to have that, that carrot, that hook. You know, you watch TV and you're like, man. And then all of a sudden here comes a commercial, right? Well, you know, they want to keep you around. I want to keep you around for a little bit, folks. So listen, when we come back, I'm going to break this thing down. Where do we go from here? Please, I hope you got your pen. I hope you got your pen. I'll be right back. This is Roxy Davis. And this is Deborah Burris. And we are the, the Roxy, Roxy by Design, Design Show. Our show is designed to bring healing as we share our stories while God redesigns our lives. So take a ride with us. 
So you can find us at Podbean, iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and blackandstudios.com. So thank you everyone for listening to the Roxy by Design Show. You have a blessed day. We love you. This is Koresh Ali Lansana, poet, author, educator, and Oklahoma. And when I listen to podcasts, I'm on that one mic, one voice joint. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? I choose community. I've had enough chaos in my life. (laughs) I've had enough climbing up the mountain only to find out there's nothing there. Give me community. Communities. A healthy community. All right. Where do we go from here? Elijah said, why do we not hear or see powerful or influential men on TV anymore, such as Dr. King or the Reverend Jesse Jackson? Um, That's a good question. Um, I think you have to look at the price that King paid. And I think um, few people are willing to pay that price. And what I mean by that price, I mean not just in the ultimate price with his life, but also in the um, threat of losing your life at any moment, the pressure on his family, the pressure, the everyday pressure and struggle. I think we live in a society where people are comfortable. Even um, black middle class folks are comfortable. I think in the white community, we have people that, because they're not affected by racism, they're comfortable. And when you are comfortable, you don't seek change because that becomes your reality. It is only when we become uncomfortable and things become difficult do we embrace change. And so why are there not more leaders? We look at the clergy. The clergy are comfortable. They have their members. They're they're revered. Uh, Look at politicians. they're, They're like rock stars nowadays. Um. And so I just don't believe we have individuals that are willing to pay that price, the sacrificial price of one's life. And so um, it takes, it's, and, 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 I mean, and it's interesting because although one could be willing it's, it has a lot to do with the moment. I mean, King 
um, was put forth in that um, in in the uh, bus campaign because nobody knew him in Birmingham. So it was the moment, the opportunity that that thrust him to the forepoint, to the forefront. He took the challenge. He accepted the challenge. But I would also say it was the man as well, the person that understood his position in life, that his life was no greater or more value than anyone else. And if people are suffering and he was in a position to make a difference, he said, yes, I will do it. So it's about the moment and it's also about the person. But I just think people do not have that sort of courage today. So where do we go from here? I'm going to give you three words. Hope, unity, and change. Hope, unity, and change. Write those down. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community. Hope, unity, and change. You see, hope requires a vision and something other than yourself. You see, if we really want community, we have to stop thinking about life in such a singular form. We have to stop thinking about how this life affects the self and only the self. I'm not telling you not to be concerned about yourself, but I'm encouraging you to be concerned about others. Let's get back to Elijah's first question about this couple that said if they would come in the right way, I would accept them. What if that was you? What if you were fleeing violence? What if you wanted a a better life for your children? What if that was you? You see, hope involves this vision, as I said, something other than yourself, that you understand the suffering, the aspirations, the dreams of others, Because you have them yourself. So we begin to hope again, not just for ourselves, but for others. Not just for those who look like us, but for all people, for all humankind. We shake off our selfishness and our egos and our own selfish desires and we concentrate on others. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. So hope. Number two, unity. You see, this gets back to Elijah's question again. Unity requires leadership. Leadership. Where is 
that king type of leadership, sacrificial leadership, the kind that does not place your agenda above the needs and desires of others, the kind in which you see yourself as a servant leading, the kind in which you are not adored, but you are just part of the group. Unity. You see, we cannot have community with no hope and disunity. We have that right now. In many of our communities, there's no hope. That's why there's violence. That's why I got to get mine. Because I can't let you get yours. There is no hope. And there is disunity. Why do we have blacks killing blacks? There's no hope. There's poverty. There's anger. There's a lack of resources. There's systemic racism. There's disunity. If I was in unity with my brother, I would never slay him. Nor would he I. There's disunity. Why are cops killing black men? There's disunity. If he is a servant of the people, I would recognize that and he would recognize that. But instead, he sees a violent man because of the skin that I'm draped in. There is no hope that a good thing encounter is going to happen. And there's disunity. And then we have change. A new movement. Yeah, I said a new movement. Now, let me describe this movement for you. Hope, unity, and change, a new movement. If we have hope and we have unity, we can have a movement. If there's no hope, there's disunity, we can never have a movement. Hope and unity are foundational for a movement. I can't have, I want to emphasize this to you, movements fail, even movements that start off well because of disunity, the loss of hope in the mission, the movement fails. So let's talk about this movement. First of all, what it is not. And this is where I might ruffle a few feathers, but that's okay. I'm accustomed to doing that. It's not the black, it's not like the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's definitely not like the Me Too movement. These two movements have such a narrow focus. And its narrow focus is necessary because it stands for a particular group of people. Black Lives Matter movement, black people. Me Too movement, women. They are inclusive of a group of people, right? But exclusive of everybody else just by their mission. And folks, if they were the solution to our problem when it comes to community, we wouldn't be having this podcast. They're not the solution. I'm not going to say they're not necessary, 
But that's not the movement I'm talking about. This movement is an inclusive movement of the human family. Well, let's just break it down. The American family. I'm not talking about trying to do something global, which would be nice. But let's deal with America. To unite all like-minded people, meaning that those that believe in equality, equal opportunity, cultural appreciation and acceptance, those that can celebrate the beauty of our diversity. And to see diversity as not being deficient, just being different. A social movement. You might say, well, why is that important? Because a social movement transforms policy, changes decisions. When people unite, when people press, when people request, when people take a stand, things change. The disunity of a people, things remain the same. You see, not simply believing in a social movement is enough, but they must advocate for societal changes in laws locally and nationally, changes in criminal justice. You say, well, we got, okay, we have all of these efforts for criminal justice system. What has changed? I'll, I'll, I'll let that rest with you. Changes in housing and transportation, Pressure local governments to eradicate food deserts. It should, no community should be living in a food desert in America. When I can drive five miles and there's grocery stores all over the place. Okay. Chaos or community. So there's a social component of this movement. The system must change. A social component, an economic component. Let me justify this. The wealthiest 1% of American households own 40% of the country's wealth. That's, that's, it's the highest now than it's ever been since 1962. Maybe this will make more sense to you. The United States has 325 million people. These 325 million people reside in 160 million households. As viewed by the Internal Revenue Service, that means that 1.6 million households, 1.6 million, out of 160 billion fall into the 1% category. Out of 160 million households, 1.6 million control 40% of the country's wealth. You see, this movement includes access to wealth to education, to reparations, 
a pathway to citizenship, demonopolizing corporations while reestablishing small businesses, creating, get this, creating community banks so that communities can invest in their own communities, not in financial institutions that are outside of their preview. I call this movement the human community movement, the HCM. It's important that we understand that nothing will change unless we change it. Government will never change it. If government was going to change it, it would be changed already. We already have laws that say you shouldn't discriminate, but it happens all the time. We already have laws to, for fair housing and people still are turned away because of the color of their skin. We have federal funding for education, but still you look at our rural schools and inner city schools, they don't compare to affluent communities. So if government was going to do it, folks, it would already be done. It's not going to happen unless we do it. Dr. King says, where do we go from here? Do we choose chaos or do we choose community? It is our choice. Not to make a choice, you're making a choice. If you're not engaged, you're making a choice. We are situated right now where the President of the United States has been impeached. Think about that for a moment. The highest office in the land, the guy that's sitting there, has lost all confidence people have and his ability to run the affairs of this country. The majority of people are in favor of impeachment. Community or chaos. As long as we stand by idle, watching the game of life pass us up, we could, we'll we will continue to see the same. Now, I'm not suggesting that somehow we tackle those big problems. What I am suggesting is that in the spaces that we occupy, we choose community over chaos. Who among us will take this charge? Who will organize? Who will structure this initiative? I give it to you. I give it to you. This is up to the individual to coexist and unite with those around them 
to say, no, Dr. King's did not die in vain. His sacrifice. Remember I said the Me Too movement, the Black Lives Matter, all movements. That element in which they seek to achieve is based in the black struggle. If we truly want to celebrate this man's legacy, we truly want to say that he was such a great man and what he did meant so much to our lives and to our human experience, then he asked the question, where do we go from here? I'm no longer here. Where do you go from here? What do you choose? Do you choose chaos? This is what we're situated in right now. Or do we choose community? Because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time. And what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many, we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remain a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We can beat the change that's in our life. All we gotta do is work together. Gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. This episode is brought to you by Blacken Studios. To learn more about Blacken Studios, go to blackenstudios.com or visit their Facebook page. The views and opinions of the One Mic, One Voice podcast show do not reflect the views of Blacken Studios or our other sponsors.